So. <laughs> Dude, your face, your face is a, a so thing. Serious. Yeah, when you are invested in something, your face is a thing of absolute terror. I can't imagine what it is like to be one of your children. I want to shake no. your hand. <laughs> we need to find somewhere for dinner, and we've got to do it now. We're going to a chicken shop. I don't care, Dad. I just want a Burger King. I don't care. Chicken now. Chicken now. <laughs> Acceptable podcast episode 164, where every week we read a bunch of comics and then talk about them in the comic shop that we know, love, run, and own. Um, and make smell good. And we make it smell good. We had good. like three people this last month tell us how good our comic shop smells. <laughs> that is a crazy thing to have just told people. I resisted a fart joke every time. Oh, You're welcome. Thank, I mean, hey, buddy, listen, you can tell people the fart jokes. I would never ask you to ch- change you. I was... You're welcoming everybody else. Oh, okay. Okay. Sorry. I thought you were talking to me. Once again, Jeff's world. Um, I'm <laughs> Tell Jeff, your fans who you are. And I've never seen the Temple of Doom. I don't believe that. Well, okay. I'm Steve Lieber's package, but you can call me Django. <laughs> what? I'm Jeff. And I've never seen the Legion of Doom. That's a superhero <laughs> thing. Wow. Yeah, I meant to say <laughs> Temple of Doom. <laughs> Starting off with a bang, boys. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> everyone says it's the worst one. Yeah, I've it never is. seen it. Yeah, it is. Well. Can I give you a little context for it? Please. When when he wrote it. Who? George? George Lucas. Did he write those? He wrote those. When he wrote Temple of Doom, he was going through a really bitter divorce. And so the parts where the woman's sidekick is super shrill and irritating and the fact that the bad guy is literally tearing people's hearts out and crushing them. I haven't seen or know any about those, but... <laughs> those are two things that happen in that movie. Like, all of that makes a lot more sense, and apparently if you read the original screenplay, it's way more of a bad movie and way more of a bummer, <laughs> and all the characters are even worse. I just feel like you don't need to go backwards in Indiana Jones continuity if you have Crystal Skull. Like, we have Crystal Skull. Why watch any of the other Indiana Jones films? Um... You guys got this? Because I'm going to go home before I punch him. <laughs> yeah, wow. All right, I'll, I'll do this part before before I leave. Uh, this week we're going to talk about Guardians of the Galaxy number one, the only number one we're going to talk about because really not many number ones came out this I week. I think it's the only one, except for kids, except Roman for pointed kids. out. We're also going to talk about Batman number 87, which is basically Batman number two. We're going to talk about Kill Lock number two, which is exactly Kill Lock number two. We'll also discuss Fantastic Four number 18, Superman number 19, uh, Once in Future number 6, also the Wonder Twins number 11. Yeah. Okay, yeah, Jeff, everyone two, two ones is, is two, not 11. <laughs> not if you know that it's over 10, which you do because you've read them all. You're right. And you should have known right. that about Middle West, which you've read all of and made one of your top books of last year. You I should have known have, it was not six. I in. have read all of them. Uh, yeah, yeah. You, you, you're going to learn more about the Django. The Django. That's what I decided to call myself now. 
Django. No, the Django. The Django. No, the Django. The Junkie. No, I'm Steve Lieber's package, but you can call me the Junkie. We gotta get Steve on board with this whole thing. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna get weird if we don't. Dude, what we should do is next time we go to a con, we should get a commission from him just drawing a present. Just drawing a package. <laughs> and he will not get it, but we'll hang it here or make it the image of a podcast. And and he won't get it. And he probably won't love it. But we'll have Steve Lieber's package at that point. Okay. I'm in. So if everyone um, has been keeping along, tr- tracking along at home, watching the websites, Django lost the auction to win his illustrated penciled page from The Shadow. Oh, the Kyle Baker Shadow. I thought I won two different times. I got so excited. And then... After the second time that I was sure I had won, I got an email 10 seconds later that said, you lost your auction. On top of that, I bought you something over a month ago, and it was supposed to be here a long time ago. I keep checking on it. Hmm. And then today, I went to check on it, and it was just canceled. Oh. I know. But I found another one, and hopefully we'll get here sooner than a month from now. I found some things for you today. Good. Darwin Cook illustrated things. Ooh, I love that guy. Not the one you were hoping for. I'm looking for that issue. Yeah. Solo number eight? Number four. I forget now. Solo number Darwin Cook. Solo number I Darwin I did Cook. find on eBay uh, a Kyle Baker original page from the first comic book I ever bought. It's on auction now. It's like got a nine-day thing. I'm going to do my best to win it. Milk kind of thing. Yeah. That's um, the purple cover one. Yeah, the purple yeah. cover of the shadow's face and and a coffin lid yeah, behind him. I know. Yeah, it has a, a character who looks like the shadow, but it turns out he's not on oh. this page. So I'm worried that somebody's going to think it's the shadow and, spend and, a lot. and boost the boost the numbers. So let's talk about Guardians of the Galaxy number one, and that'll so hopefully um, pour very nice coconut flavored pina colada juice all over the gashing wound in Django's heart that that loss left. Did you read Guardians of the Galaxy number one? <laughs> I did by Al Ewing, Juan Cabal, and Frederico Blee. Um, I read this because I like Al Ewing's work a lot, and that is why I read it, because I do not like the Guardians of the Galaxy a lot. What, what about... Never mind. But I don't love all of Al Ewing's work a lot, and I've also found that I generally don't like any of his stories to begin with, and then they become something that I like a lot. The How, Ultimates did that. Immortal Hulk did that. Um, and there's another one that I'm forgetting right now that I was telling customers about. But How many issues does it take you? I'm not sure. I think that like Immortal Hulk probably, I mean, it probably took three or four issues until Roman was like, no, this is good. You need to be reading it. Okay. Um, the Ultimates took probably like five or six. You know, like I think that he, he starts a story and then he builds it bigger and bigger and he like reverse engineers onions al ewing he reverse engineers onions and he keeps adding layers to things makes them bigger and more metaphorical and larger and just a larger and larger package until you've just got the biggest onion package steve lieber could ever draw and uh and it's just going to be a wrapped box of onions (laughs) so Bearing that in mind, I thought, well, I, this is an Al Ewing book, and I really like him. I want to get on here at the beginning and try and keep on board with it. But I don't care about the Guardians of the Galaxy, and I've read the beginning of every Guardians of the Galaxy run that started in my tenure here at the shop and never stuck with any of them. Is it the big, like, is it all the blue-skinned characters, or is <laughs> it, uh, like, do you not like Rocket? Do you not like 
Do you I not just like don't Cosmic? particularly care about all any of them, and it also kind of has that same Tony Stark problem that I have, which is like, all right, we're just writing Robert Downey Jr. at this point. So Good I'm job like, being oh, quippy. Yeah, like, are we just writing Chris Pratt? And in this case, maybe I'd just rather go watch Parks and Recreation. Right. Before you knew that he was a religious weirdo. Ooh, I don't think I'm going to acknowledge yeah. that statement right now. I didn't know that. He's, I don't want to know that. Yeah, sorry, guys. Didn't he say something about praying and everyone got mad at him and he was just like, I was just talking about like praying. It's cool. No, he's like, he's, he's a big part of a church that hates a lot of people. Hmm. Well, I like him a lot. I, I like his characters a lot. Yeah. So what was <laughs> happening is I started reading this issue and I didn't get to finish it. And then I was sitting in a in a restaurant mm. with Roman Statler and he started reading it. And then he got to the title page of the giant <laughs> ghoul, and he was like, you're right, everything does it now. And, like, Hickman did that. Everything does the double-page credit title thing now. It's crazy. That was from an older episode, but we also may have cut it out. It's so you only <laughs> have to read 18 pages. I bet it was oversized. I bet it's more than 18. Anyway, <laughs> I had the best experience getting to start reading my comics this week, which is maybe what colored my opinions of Batman 87 because I went to uh, an Indian food restaurant and sat mm. across from Roman and ate butter chicken and read comic books, and that was pretty, fuck, pretty fucking dope. And more it importantly, was. you got to watch Roman eat Indian food while you read your comics. Which is pretty I, good. I, also, I got to sit across from Jeff, and, and I ate butter chicken read, reading comics. And you know what I learned about Roman that I confirmed? Uh, just everyone in the world reads comics faster than me. Roman, what did you think about it? Because I... <laughs> Like, I, there are some cool Al Ewing concepts in here, and I have every faith that it's going to get cooler and bigger, but it is, it is a cross-section of characters that I have just an impossible time generating interest about. I really like the art. Um, I didn't expect to like it. I liked it a little more than I thought I would, just because it's, because on the cover, I was like, or on the alternate, the variant cover, whatever, I was like, how come half of these Guardians are cosmic characters i don't know or care about um but they explain that in the story it, it's cool that for some reason the greek gods have gone nuts and they got to go fight the greek gods now and i was like where's hercules see i don't like that i don't like the greek god pantheon and the asgardian like norse mythology of god i don't like when those pantheons enter the marvel universe because it feels like we're having these three competing hierarchies of power and no hierarchies, no masters. Exactly, no hierarchies, no <laughs> masters, no hierarchies, no leaders. But, but I love all that goofy stuff. Yeah, it's um, just hard for me to place things. Yeah, and it looks like it's going to be some kind of weird. Some of the uh, Star Lord Chris Pratt gets called. Gets they got the call to go fight. Nova shows up, Richard Rider, and gets the call to go fight these Greek gods who have gone rogue. And Gamora points out, you know, we need a rest. We don't need to go respond to every freaking thing in the galaxy. But Star-Lord and Rocket want to do, you know, Rocket's just back from death's door. He wants to go adventuring. And so they go off and they assemble and Nova assembles a new team. And he's got Marvel Boy, Grant Morrison's Marvel Boy. Well, I like I like that Marvel Boy is in here and it's much more Marvel Boy from Grant Morrison yeah. than it is Marvel Boy from Kieran Gillen, which I love Kieran Gillen's Young Avengers run, but oh, thank right. goodness it's not that character. This, yeah. this is like the psychedelic spit from a different multiverse, like, Grant Morrison, Marvel Boy, down to the same logo. Yeah. Um, whereas Kieran Gillen had kind of co-opted that character into being a sort of heartthrobby teen character. That's a really cool way to telegraph which version of a character it is by the, putting the, the comic book time. logo when the, when the character says their name for the first right. time. And yeah, Roman, that's a I, nice touch. I liked the bit where Rocket and 
you know, Chris Pratt were like getting ready to leave. <laughs> and and it because they did sort of talk about like, yeah, well, you and I were the first ones, I guess Groot also, but like we we're the ones who started this, you know, it makes sense that we want to go out and adventure. Like there was some depth of character that was shown within Rocket that yeah. I did like a lot. I mean, I I liked it. Again, I just don't particularly care about these characters. But I did like that Rocket moment with, with Peter. Yeah, I like that. I like Rocket and some of these other characters, like, like the current version of Quasar and Moondragon. And I don't really care about them. I like I – like, this will be fun with Grant with Marvel Boy. Yeah, see, and that's what I was waiting for throughout the issue. I was like, well, where's Hercules in all this? And at the end, well, okay, Hercules, they find him. He's being held captive. He's going to, as usual, you know, fight his dad and brothers. I don't know. It- I'm going to try and keep with it because I really like Al Ewing and Andrew Carlson, friend of the show, is a big Al Ewing fan, a big Guardians fan, and he's really excited about it. So I have a lot of faith that it's going to become something else because those first two issues of Immortal Hulk, you would have had no idea what that series was going to become from those early ones. Same could be said for Ultimates. So I think that he's somebody who really does need to grow into his storylines. And I'm going to stick with it. I mean, there's enough little character moments like when they take off on the ship rocket and and chris pratt are having the conversation because um, um star lord calls gamora or he texts her his version of texting to basically like apologize for taking off in the middle of the night not telling her and and rocket gives him a hard time for doing that and, he, and he's like you and you're doing it with your mask on and it turns out he is running the ship with his mask somehow through the mask he remote pilots the ship and that's really cool I will give Guardians of the Galaxy number one a six. Mm-hmm. I didn't love it, but I have faith in the writer a lot. And I think the art is pretty good. But again, Guardians of the Galaxy, I like the movies. But that's kind of really the only extent that I particularly care about going down the well. I'll give it a seven. A seven? I'll continue, yeah. I yeah. bet I you like will. I the art and a seven. And did you know, trivia, Moondragon is the daughter of Drax? Yeah. I didn't. Yeah. I think we have the first appearance of Moondragon in the comics downstairs. Segway something the, 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 there. Ralph, 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 Batman number 87, Jimmy T. IV, which is James Tenney in the fourth, affectionately coined by Braden Smith, who you've all yeah. heard. Um, Guillaume March did the art in this one with Timo Mori on colors. Tony Daniels <clears throat> did the art in the first issue. I like Tony Daniels' art a lot because I think he's a perfect Batman artist like kind of by the numbers, like Jim Lee, yeah. Hush. It's beautiful. It's muscular. Everyone's got ten, like clenched jaws. Modern Jim Lee and he can ink himself. Yeah, and, and the colors are great. I like Guillaume March's art because I think he's a little bit more of an auteur. Like he's yeah. very stylized. I have one of his art books at my house. I loved like the beginning of the New 52 Catwoman run that he did art in. Um, he's, I, I like him a lot. So... I liked Batman number 87 to get to the meat of it, but I liked it more than Batman 86. But I, hmm. a lot of that could have been the art, and that also I was I was reading it right across the table from Roman, who was eating butter chicken. And that's a cute thing to see. Is this the same colorist as the last yeah, issue? Yeah, I think Tim Mori okay. has done a lot of this Batman the, the whole stuff. Batman yeah. run, yeah. I really like you, March's art when he can kind of go crazy with it mm-hmm. and he's not quite here i don't think he's allowed to on most of these pages like the riddler pages are are spectacular the first couple pages are very unnerving yeah and and like 
after that, it turns into a bunch of talking and punching heads. And his art is fine. Like, I wasn't lost. I didn't, I didn't not understand what was going on. But it wasn't as exciting as those first couple of pages. Yeah. Yeah, and, and the what I liked about this issue were the Riddler and Penguin moments. Yeah. Because he's doing something really interesting with the Riddler. Not that it hasn't been, ever been done, but it's just <clears> sort of like Riddler losing his mind, becoming obsessed with a riddle. Right. And uh, and I like I like that story, and I like the hooks of that. He's on these, like, military-grade amphetamines to stay up all night, so he's not, you know, so he, so he can solve these mysteries or these puzzles and he hasn't slept in 38 days or something like that but i do not care at all about the batman stuff the deathstroke stuff like the villains that escape that are you know planning him there's like somebody orchestrating this big plan that batman is just walking right into like all of that feels kind of rote i really enjoyed so at the end Batman shoots himself out of a rail gun on like a super low profile. It's it's like one of those wheelie things that you would slide under a car to work on the engine. Right. Um, and he, but he's got like a gas and brakes on it, and I really liked that. It felt like Fast and the Furious kind of gag <laughs> to me. Yeah. Um, that was that was more excitement than I expected to get from this series ever, and. Uh, one of the more inventive Batman vehicles that I've seen. I think a comparison to like Fast and the Furious is cool because I read that and I was like, that's dumb. Yeah, but fuck maybe you, it's Fast and the Furious Yeah, but dumb. maybe it's the kind of dumb that's Fast and the Furious dumb. Yeah. But it kind of reminded me of the scene from a year ago when Batman was like shoving down from satellites out of rail guns for the like in the Tomasi run right leading up to the 1000 issue of Detective. Remember okay. like the, he was using whatever that acronym is for like low orbit Halo. Yeah, Halo. High altitude, low orbit. Like, he was using a Halo thing to, like, get places across the world. I was like, oh, this just felt like that to me. But, but it, I, it, it I'm is, a sucker for that yeah. shit. I, I did not believe that Batman would make one of those and not have armor all over it. Right. Uh, but I'll forgive it because I just, there's something about being that close to the road. It's inter- interesting because we read these together, yeah. eating our butter chicken, yeah. across from each other. So I, I like the previous issue better. I like the art better. Um, yeah. Except I really like this splash page with the penguin and the dead people and his yeah. little penguins everywhere. Um, I mean, that doesn't super I, and, surprise and, and, me. And I thought it was, you know, and I like the panel where Batman goes underneath the truck and the truck, well, the truck goes over him and hits what's-her-name and for some reason doesn't kill her. Um, but I'd actually, it's interesting, this afternoon, this evening, when I was trying to remember what I read this week, I thought I hadn't read Batman and then I looked at it. I was like, oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy TIV is writing Batman. Did you guys... Okay, you both read it. Right. Yeah. There's Even a scene chicken. where all of the um, hired killers that were supposed to kill Batman in the last issue have been captured by the Gotham City Police Department. Yep. And they've been put in, a, in new holding cells in the new Bruce Wayne-designed cop shop. Uh-huh. Right? Mm-hmm. And so they're all totally restrained in these unbreakable like you know all you can see is their face and they, their arms and legs are spread and they're they're under metal and everything and batman discovers that who's who's the woman that he fights later cheshire Chesh- cheshire yeah he discovers that she's made out of clay mm-hmm. how did the cops not notice that they were putting a clay dummy in that <laughs> I don't know. you know what clayface can do is <laughs> but, whatever but. but he doesn't say clayface yeah, he never it's refer- clay yeah they never revisit that at all 
So like, and he does like, just put his thumb to her, and it goes away, which they had to have touched her. Yeah, yeah. and Deathstroke and, is really him. But how did they get out of that prison? Oh, it doesn't matter. There's just somebody with a bigger braid, which is like it's the the most like perfectly planned prison. Like okay, but you know, like somebody somebody can do it. Like, Who's smarter than Batman? I don't know, but we have to assume somebody for this to be a good story. Yeah, I give it a seven. I'm yeah, I'm being sort of needlessly negative about it. I mean, I liked it more than the last one, and I did like the art. It is a little like like I said, kind of autoury, so I can see like it. I like weird, weird kind of things, and he's a little bit in that realm. The last page is rad. Yeah, yeah, I'd give it a seven. I think that's a, a good score for it. I don't, I don't think it's a bad comic, but I don't think it's a particularly good comic. Yeah, I'd, I'd give it like a five. Yeah, I mean, I I may not continue. <laughs> yeah, wow, which is crazy about the main Batman story. Yeah, I mean, I'm all about detective now. There's something to be said for that. I did you guys read guy. Kill Walk number one? No, we did, mm-hmm. sold out of number one. Did you read number two? No, did not read number two. This book is good. And did you like number one, Roman? I did. It was fun. Because Django talked about yeah. it on the Poco. Yeah, I'm really sorry, everybody. I think this copy that I'm holding in my hands is our last one, and I'm going to put it on the shelf. Um, but there aren't a ton of them. This is, this is following some robots that... Uh, have been tied together because they've committed robot crimes. If one of them dies, they all die. And they're trying to find a person who can apparently release them from this curse. And uh, so they go to this planet. It's it's like a crime, a crime asteroid for robots. And you just get more kind of character development for each one of them. And the interesting thing is that this kill walk symbol that they all have on them is something that other robots know about so when they get in a fight the robots that are fighting them are like oh he's got the kill lock just go for the little weak shitty robot to beat the big one and so the big guy who doesn't really like anybody else ends up having to defend all these smaller worse fighting robots and it's i don't know it's you kind of have to get over the idea that these these mechanical things can have such distinct personalities. Like one of them is an alcoholic. That's a little hard for me to buy outside of Futurama. That like a robot <laughs> has to go get drunk in order to function, right? Um, but the, the their interactions are really interesting. The cliffhanger is really good. The art is super moody, and there's there's a lot of um, I don't know, just a lot of good drama. And when it's funny, it's it's truly funny. So it is also funny. Little tiny bits, like okay. one of the one of the robots gets his arm ripped off, and the big the big badass religious robot. Also, I have a problem with a religious robot. Says uh, like he he finds the guy that ripped the the kid's arm off, and he tears that robot's arm off and retrieves the younger robot's arm and puts it back on him. He's like, okay, uh, how do you want to punish him? What do you want to do with this this? guy's arm after he stole your arm and he's holding the the other robot's arm and the, the kid goes uh throw it up on that roof over there and he like it's just like absurd it's the 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 younger robot all he can really think to do to this guy who tore his arm off is inconveniencing him by making him go up to a rooftop to get his arm i think it is is interesting and makes sense that you would have issues about what robots can and can't do like it makes a lot of sense to me that like a robot wouldn't necessarily have alcoholism to you and that also a like a robot wouldn't experience religion um because i was driving around just the other day thinking about like how 
you know, like people die and what is it like to die and what, and you know, like humans can't live forever because your brain is kind of just like a computer that can only have so much information and run for so long, just like a cell phone or a computer. And I'm just like, man, the meat it's, rots. It's astounding to me how com- people are always like, yeah, computers are kind of like brains. And it's like, well, no shit, because a human brain was making something to model itself. Yeah. And that's why computers are so much like it, which is why it makes sense computers would, you know, run out after so long. Like, there's so much, such a mirror between humanity and computers. Um, you know, we really built ourselves in computers and given enough time and expansion, they will, I believe, you know, kind of become just like us. So it makes total sense to me that they would, like, on a binary level, religion wouldn't make sense, but on a, a right. complexity level of when it is really modeling um, humanity. Uh, it would experience alcoholism or religion, yeah. and I guess that part of part of my problem suspending that disbelief is my newfound curse of seeing behind the story, and just like looking at this and being like, "Well, this could just be people, or this could just be aliens, or this could just be like this could be so many things other than robots in this exact same story." Do you th- I mean, to me, it also makes sense. Just like you're awareness of technology like you code and you write and you do things so it's probably i think you know one of the things you might like about coding and computers is that it is not any of that human stuff it's garbage in garbage out yeah but it's also like on the micro level of computers it is i and o you Mm -hmm. know it's yes or no It, it is infinite binary that when metaphorically stacked on top of itself and bit built and built and built and built you have the ability to have higher level ifs and maybes and feelings but on the binary level it's yes or no and that's what you spend a lot of time with computers on it's what i spend a lot of time in the store on yeah i mean yeah there's a lot of if then statements that happen in my brain right and so i i like i you know i think it's interesting it makes a lot of sense that maybe i could see that the extension of that is going one way but maybe the extension of it wouldn't isn't how you see it is going yeah well and yeah to to really enjoy this book i think you have to let technology go in a direction that it probably isn't actually going, which is um, sentience and personality mm-hmm. in artificial intelligence. Yeah. And I think I think we're going to have artificial intelligence pretty soon. I think it's going to be, you know, by most definitions, sentient. But I don't know that it's going to have distinct personalities in the right. way that these characters in this book have personalities. I I really like it. I'd give it. Uh, I, I think I'd give this an eight. Oh yeah, highest score of the it's week so far. Really good art too. Like the art, the is, art is gorgeous. Holy shit, and Roman! Uh, can you top an eight on Fantastic Four eighteen? Boy, you know I don't. I don't think I can. I mean, it's a really enjoyable story, oh. but but oh, well, that's not a great lead-in, bud. <laughs> no, it's not. But I mean, I I do like this. This is part well, whatever of World Breakers, kind of retelling the new aspects of their origin. That it turns out this uh, leader of this alien planet turns out he engineered the cosmic storm. Well, he took advantage of the cosmic storm that gave them their powers. He intensified the cosmic rays to fulfill a prophecy that I think he made up. Ooh. Because um, originally they were going to land on this this per, their planet, and he didn't like that. So yeah, he set up all these prophecies to warn against the four invaders and and engineered that thing to give them their powers to make them more threatening than they would have been just regular humans showing up. So that's all been discovered. Rediscovered the plot and revealed it to everyone and Sue's mad at Reed because she was like, 
don't you realize what how Ben's going to react to this? That now he knows who's responsible and he's angry about the fact that he always at some level and sometimes very verbally like blamed his best friend Reed Richards for this. And it turns out it's this alien dude's fault. So, yeah, that's the emotional high point of the story is Sue pointed out to Reed and Reed, Reed going, oh, crap, Ben's going to kill this guy, <laughs> the leader of this world. And we've also just revealed all these secrets and thrown their culture into a whole so- socio upheaval and their religion. So that's kind of where the, the, the end up of the story and, and Ben's going after this guy and they have to stop Ben from killing him. <laughs> would Ben really kill him? He, 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 I don't know if he actually would, but he sure seems about to. Has he killed? Mm. Good question. I don't know. I don't think so. Not, I don't, I can't remember any stories where like, you know, Ben was regretting accidentally killing somebody like Daredevil has and Hawkeye has right. and Green Arrow has and <laughs> Superman has. There's some good, um, most upheaval and the people on this planet, um, their superhero team, because um, that's another aspect is the leader of this planet has engineered people, given the superpowers or turned them into freaks all to reinforce his, the way he's formed the society. they refer them as freaks in the issue, Roman? Yeah. That's well, a, the people that are, are against him. It's a real uh, loaded term, bud. Can sure. You, can you can you rephrase it for me? Okay, monsters. Thank you. <laughs> but they call them monsters in the issue. Um, but they end up des- deciding, well, this still happened. They still are blaming the Fantastic Four. You're still world breakers because by revealing all this, you've thrown our entire culture and world into upheaval and made us question everything. So it still ended up fulfilling the prophecy that their, ex, their now ex-leader um, created. Do I we, love it when prophecies so, get so fulfilled yeah. in a way you didn't expect. Yeah. So yeah, so yeah, the too. causality is like double back on itself. <clears throat> Do you feel like we're nearing the end of this? Uh, oh, it says to be yeah. concluded. Yeah, on the next point issue of is the story. last part of Point of Origin. Because I haven't been super interested in this particular story arc, but I do want to be reading Fantastic Four and, and the arc before this. I believe was that like the Hulk versus yeah thing. Versus ben, yeah, yeah, and I, I like those issues a lot. Yeah, and still for me, I mean the the emotional anchor through these storylines is still Ben. He's he's still the most interesting character in, in Slot's run. Yeah. Uh, what do you give it score-wise? At least a four, because it has to be. Um, okay. No, I get, I get it. I get, low <laughs> no, 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 no. I give it a seven. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that was priceless audio bits. Wasn't it? Yeah. Did you give Killock a score? I yeah, I gave it a high score. I gave it an eight, but an I forgot yeah, to say did, that it's yeah, yeah. by Livio Ramondelli. Is that the writer? I think it's the writer and artist. Man, it's the, the only name on the so cover. Awesome. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's segue out of that. Let's Paul Blart style out of that into. Let's not ever say Paul Blart on the podcast again. But he segued a lot. You're the one who said it a second time, dude. Said what? Paul Blart? Oh, fuck. A third time, too. Paul Blart, comic cop. Oh, Roman's seen it. Roman knows. I've seen Roman's one a in, I saw one and two. Oh, my Actually, God. I don't know if I saw two, but. Didn't Jesus, bud. You got to have some standards, man. Damn. We got to talk about Superman number 19 by Brian Bendis, Ivan Reese, Joe Prado, Danny Mickey, and somebody Sinclair. Oh, it takes a village. Alex Sinclair. It, it takes... will change everything forever. Does it say that? I'm right on the cover. Gosh. My God. I thought the last issue did that. Great row. This is the issue right after Superman gave up the ghost. Gave up Gave up the Clark. He gave up the Clark ghost. Gave up the Kent. <laughs> He gave up the Kent. And um, I really liked the previous issue. I really liked the whole him giving up the ghost storyline. And I really liked this issue. This is two-thirds about Superman Clark 
kind of getting like the the Daily Planet all gathering around, decompressing about what's just happened, and uh, and then there is a fight with Mongol at the end that doesn't matter. Didn't give a fuck. I I liked Mongol less than I liked Rogel Czar at the beginning. And it's tough because it's like, dang, dang guys, this whole United Planets and like democracy and UN doesn't even work on our planet. Like it's not going to work in a large scale out in space thing. But we know it does. Yeah, we know it does. Yeah, because of the Legion of Superheroes. Have you been reading the Legion of Superheroes? You got to keep up with the Legion. I don't Jeff. believe that it's all going to work out, but it may take a thousand years. But yeah, we have a long <laughs> yeah. way to wait. There was five hundred years where we bailed on it, but then it <laughs> yeah. came back. But the the again the first two thirds of this issue where it is Clark talking to Jimmy and Lois and Perry, uh, I thought was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And it's them sort of like, well, the insurance is going to charge us for a ton of to have Superman working here and all this stuff. But I love that. Like up its own ass internal memo kind of business dealing stuff that Bendis is able to put into this and make it interesting. Yeah, I love that. What I loved was the moment where he walked out of the room into the room of everyone that works and they're all sort of standing silently waiting. <clears throat> and I was like, oh, none of these people have seen him yet. And I was like, I bet they're all going to start hugging him. And then and that then like did. kind of happened. And I. I really liked that moment. It was just like kind of a bunch of people who just yesterday were working with this normal schlubby guy. And now they all are like, all of them are dealing with the fact that they're in the presence of somebody totally different now. And their response to all of that is to just want to thank him and give him a hug, which is, I think, exactly how people would feel given the opportunity to realize that this person that they know is the greatest hero that the planet has. Well, and I think that, well, like, if I had a secret like that that I hadn't revealed, I would be worried that people would be mad at me. Yeah. Right? And I'll bet that Clark, on some level, was worried that he people would be mad at him because... He's lying to him. He's lying to him. He's yeah. betraying their trust, and that's not something that Clark Kent would take lightly. Yeah, I think one of my favorite story beat types of elements, one of my favorite emotional beats is that idea of people being worried that they've let someone down and then being shown that they haven't. Like that is something that's present in in many types of stories at different times. And it's just one of my favorite types of things because I deal with that. Like I'm always constantly worried about letting people down. So when you get that opportunity to see that like, no, people don't just want to always make you feel bad. Like there are people who value you just for being you and 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 they're more grateful for you than you know. And people that you can let down and who will still love still, you and, exactly. and still like understand and respect your yeah. your actions. There's not enough of that in real world life and there's not enough of it in fiction, but I do love when that beat happens. I Roman, think there's a lot of that in real world. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. I'm a terminal optimist. Yeah. Yeah, and you're also not a terminal overprocessor. Like <laughs> No, <laughs> I don't even. I'm not even going to think about what that means. So it, what, I don't even care what you're trying to say about me. <laughs> I'm a big fan. Um, Roman, what about you? What did you think of it? I had real mixed feelings about this issue. Um, yeah, I, I bet because this is a real upheaval of Superman. It's a real upheaval yeah, for the way Superman works and it continuity. Is, but and, I don't. I don't really feel that. So tell me what your mixed <clears throat> feelings were. Well, I guess, I guess I'll start with that because I don't really feel that because I feel like, yeah, they did this with Spider-Man. They did this with Iron Man. Big deal. It's all going to be reversed or it's not going to matter or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and some of the, the dialogue in here, some of it I didn't understand. I mean, I was hope, I was guess they're talking about liability here and all that. 
But there was just some of it. I was like, yeah, I like the previous issue more, I think. Uh, the only thing I didn't understand was the typo joke. And I, where, See, I love that. I thought that was very sweet. Is he it. saying that he put typos in in order to make Lois look better? He's been seeding yeah. that in okay. his issues earlier in the run. Yeah, and like I thought he that intentionally was... puts typos in there or spells things wrong because Lois, because Lois is terrible. At yeah, it. and she's, she's terrible also terrible speller. at quoting things, and okay. that's something he's also been seeding in. This yeah, run. and I thought I, that was my favorite part because she was all like, "Oh," and you see a little smile, and Perry's just like, "I'm done with this conversation." Yeah. I like at this point when Perry's saying about um, that thing you've been doing where you pretend to miss deadlines because Clark Kent is a hot mess. I must say that I'm thrilled that show is over. And then he has this great look on his face, like, "Wait, that was part of the act." I was like, "That that didn't fall right for me because you j- Perry just said you pretend, so you knew that was part of the act." When no, you he said was that. assuming it, and well, then I, it I just, turns out that maybe he's not. Maybe Clark or maybe, maybe Superman, Superman is, is also just, just right, a hot mess. Yeah, but I thought that was clumsily written because. I enjoyed that line a yeah, lot. Yeah, because Perry's smarter than that. I mean, I just, I love the, the, every time he's had Perry and Superman together since he's revealed himself, like that first issue where they, it's a yeah, silent that page. one. It's just yeah. like a silent page and he shows his, his S and, and yeah. Perry, like just Perry's hands do a lot of acting in that. Like he's, yeah. Yeah, that was great. And I love this this scene. I don't think and, that... And, and I like the scene where he walks out and everybody's accepting. I thought it was too easy. I mean, I think this all so far is too easy. Um, there should be a lot more fallout. My favorite <laughs> thing in the issue was Plastic plastic Man, like, ripping open a shirt and he's got Plastic a Roman shirt. reading a Bendis issue. Yeah, yeah Plastic yeah. Man. Yeah. Fuck, and and fuck for some Bendis. reason, Harley's there, so she's a good guy now at the Justice League? No, I mean, it's got Simon Bass. Like, this is clearly Ivan Reese isn't aware and... Bendis was like, just put him in the Justice Hall with a whole bunch of superheroes to say that he's going to have further interactions with all of these people. It even has the Wonder Twins. Yeah, like Simon Bass no longer a, he's a just, thing? He hasn't been in a story in a long time. And I was like actually... Firestorm, I mean, like... And I, and I actually like seeing, seeing Mongol, because... I, I like I Mongol. Mongol. I do too. Yeah, I mean, he's a great visual. I, I mean, mostly just thought that I would have rather had the whole issue dealing with him still coming out and not the Mongol thing. One hundred. Yeah, I mean, I was surprised. I, I want to deal more with that because, yeah, like I was telling Django, I want to see, I want to see like people, journalists and stuff, getting angry about Clark Kent. You know, in some of them, somebody's going to say you were cheating all these years, quote unquote. And I'm not above like being able to. Like, there are lines here. I do think there was clumsy writing when he says, like, that said, Clark, you're fired. And he's like, I'm sorry, the insurance, blah, blah, blah. But you have to see, you, you put us in very difficult situations, but I would like to hire you full-time. And he didn't use language to describe how rehiring him full-time was a different thing than the position he had. Like, yeah, because it's Superman. And and before well, Perry he says, Clark Kent, Superman, couch has whatever you want to be called, I'm hiring full-time. So he's not right. saying because you're Superman. You okay. Know? So, like... But right. it's just like that's small grammatical stuff. I don't think like to me, I thought <clears throat> that him walking out and hugging everybody, like wanting to hug him, is the better writing choice. It's the stronger emotional beat. Like yeah, and I guess that's maybe because I want to see those big stories too, and I don't have faith that they're gonna be explored to the extent I'd like them to be. Because I liked like the big emotional beats, and I like the even though I didn't ex- I didn't expect it, and it seems a little unrealistic. I like the fact like Superman says in his narration that, you know, his kind of his version of coming out like this and he's being accepted. I like that overall thing. But um, the the small details, like earlier Perry says about, you know, my, the, the lawyers uh, said that hiring you the way I did, knowing what I knew versus what I know now. Well, what do you mean the way I did? How? And that's, and that's not explained. What do you mean? It's not. I do think it was brought up earlier in the run. Like... 
Like, was he hired part-time or, like, it's, like, an internet thing or – I don't remember. He was, he was hired as a human named Clark Kent, who's kind of an oaf but a pretty good writer. Yeah, I guess I – mean, maybe and that's what they're saying. Like, yeah. it, and, and now the person who's working there is Superman, so he can't keep Clark Kent on staff. He has to fire Clark Kent and he has to hire Superman, who's got a, a bigger insurance liability. Right. And who, like – but saying that it that way doesn't quite make sense to me. You just I, hate for Perry, for well, Perry I, to say that. I read that particular page two times because I was like, wait. Yeah, I read it a couple few times too. What I was like, in wait, the language he here specifies the difference? I love well, that you well, guys had a hard time with Perry's words, and I had a hard time with the well, like the the Superman Lois Lane typo thing. Yeah. Like, I read that three times, and I was like, ah, fuck it, I don't know. It's probably what he meant. <laughs> well, just like I said earlier with, like, James T. in the fourth, like, there was a thing that happened, and I was like, that's kind of dumb. But I know that if Grant Morrison wrote that, I wouldn't think that it was dumb. Yeah. Well, because he'd write it better. Maybe. Or maybe, <laughs> I, maybe I just, like, if he puts Batman on a sled that's beneath a car going down the street, I process it as... Bend, or Morrison has this love of Silver Age comics and Silver Age ideas and that is present in this writing right here and I shouldn't overthink it. Like that's how I process those things. Whereas James Tinian doesn't and he doesn't have anything in his body of work that makes me think that he's writing it for any reason that I should that is not just kind of dumb. You see it as a modern Charlie's Angels movie. Right. And where I see it as a Fast and the Furious and you wish that you saw it as a Silver Age game. So what I'm saying is that like when Bendis writes a thing, I'm not gonna apologize for it. Like you trust I trust him. And not even that I trust him. I make concessions for him. Mm-hmm. I like the way he does stuff. And, like, I didn't love that line of Perry dialogue. I can point that out. I don't think that was perfectly done. But I sort of drew, view the entire thing as, like, it had these emotional beats that I loved. The, what I was saying was defending Roman's stance of, like, <clears throat> I get it. Like, you know, for me to make a concession for somebody is the exact same as being not willing to make a concession for somebody. Yeah. You know? It's not that I'm not willing. It's just... Like, I love the emotional beats in it. Um, those are surprising. But, but not some, as much but, as, like, Plastic Man. But some characters, like Perry White, are very smart characters. They're they're well-spoken. They're good writers. And so I want to see that in every portrayal of Perry White. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to see it like Bendis's. I really liked the beginning of this comic. I really felt cheated when the center page spread was a cliffhanger for a different comic. Yeah. Oh, and then I yeah. felt angry that I had to go visit Mongol on the moon and have a dumb fight. I would give the beginning of this comic a nine and a half. I would give the center page spread a six, and I would give the, the Mongol stuff man. a five. Um, I will give the issue as a whole an 8.5. I'll give it a nine for Plastic Man and a Superman shirt. Yeah. <laughs> and look I have at, your Superman And looking excited about it. What? Yeah. Um, I just want to quickly talk about Once in Future number six by Kieran Gillen, Dan Mora, and Tamara Bonvillon. Bonvillon. I know. I always want to pronounce it it's like French. Vion. Can you talk about that now and in the future? Because Once in Future. I get it. I get it. Yeah. Um, this issue. I like it. <laughs> ended the story arc. I thought it was going to be the end of the series, but like Renewed. last week. It, yeah. It, it, the, the, the seventh issue is solicited. I've liked all of this series. I liked this issue a lot. I hadn't read five, but I was like, I can skip an issue because it just was in the bottom of a stack somewhere. But um, some some stuff happened in five that would have made it easier to know exactly what's going on here. But in general, I was able to follow it real well. There was just some big character development that happened in the main protagonist between issues four and six. But 
This just carries along my love of this sort of national treasure meets Arthurian legend miniseries, and the art is gorgeous, and it's got a great cliffhanger that is more interesting to me than the story of what this six-issue miniseries nice. had. So I'm very excited to keep reading it. The art is really pretty. The characters are well-developed. Like, it's it's a really good book. I think it's... Kieran Gillen has the ability to make me just sort of lose interest in the long run of his stories. Yeah. Like, they're always really interesting at the beginning, but I can't think of really anything of his that I finished except for Young Avengers, which was only like 12 or 16 issues. His stuff always feels so intricate and complex to me that I put it aside to read and trade, and then I forget to come back to it. I always think about it in the way that he named, very intelligently, the first volume of his Young Avengers run. He called that Style Over Substance. And I just think <laughs> all of his stuff is kind of style over substance. And this one, there's less style. Like, this book doesn't belong to a scene. It's not like capitalizing on die RPG fandom. It's not capitalizing on, you know whatever Wicked and Divine was capitalizing on or Young Avengers. Like, it, it feels like he's a very... He has his fingers on the pulse all the time. And I think he, he's kind of like Coldplay. Like, he kind of makes an album that reflects what is in the zeitgeist at that moment. And, and this, this one, is not. This one is the least that yeah. of his stuff because it's like Arthurian legend and... Always sort of national kind of in style, but not code. really. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's really well done. The characters are great. The art is great. And I'm really excited to keep following it. It did wrap up, a, like, maybe the wrap-up of what happens to the big spooky skeleton Arthur um, makes more sense if you had read number five, because it just kind of he goes away in this one. But I, I've really liked this series, and I'm excited to keep reading more. And the cliffhanger made me really want to read more. Pretty, pretty cool. So I would give that issue an 8.5. Pretty good book. Django, before we get into some questions for some <clears throat> wonderful folks, tell me about the Wonder Twins from your boy, buddy. Mark Russell. He loves Mark Russell. Oh, I think man. He does, yeah. I, I don't even know. Roman is wearing to... an Aftershock Comics shirt right now. <laughs> Did you steal that in Vegas? You had to. Yeah, have. We, got it in, I, we got it in Vegas. That's part right. of their swag. I didn't steal it. It was part of their swag. We'll, get, we'll get you something in Portland next month. <laughs> what do you want? What do you want? Let's call a shot. We'll get well, shirts. Surprise me. Let's get you a DC shirt. Surprise me. I'll get it. I'll get it signed by Vince. Give me. Give me a. Um, give me an IDW something signed by you know guy. Oh that yeah, guy. Dirk Wood. Dirk Wood. We're gonna get a Roman a Dirk Wood thing. Give me a Boundless shirt. That I'd be too embarrassed to wear in public. <laughs> I don't think Boundless is there because it's <laughs> bleeding cool. Bleeding cool. And yeah. I don't think that Dirk wants to talk to me anymore because I feel like maybe he listened to that podcast and doesn't like us. Anymore. <laughs> Did you share it with him? I told him specifically to listen to it. <laughs> oh yeah, I'll totally listen to that. And then radio silence. <laughs> wow. That's why I'm not going to tell Steve Lieber about the package. The package episode that, that we just way, did. Which yeah. is not like a bomb or poison threat. Steve, no, it's just, don't a, worry. just a big dick. <laughs> oh, God, Steven. <laughs> no, I mean a wrapped present. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, this, this is Wonder Twins number 11 by Mark Russell and Byrne. What, what's the Byrne? John Byrne? Oh, come on. No, it's not but John, John Byrne. Byrne. It's Stephen Byrne. Oh, he just got all red. He's ashamed. We get, we made him feel bad. <laughs> no one outside of this room that he knows that he he didn't just get all red, and wow. he didn't just get ashamed. But they all think that he did, and he did. No, I mean, yeah, right. Yeah. One of the friends of the Wonder Twins, the one of the high school friends' dad in 1986, invented a computer program 
that was basically modern AI. That happened before the internet. And when he went to jail for being a monster, that and, and they, they break him out in this issue, he goes to jail, his estate goes up for sale, and two, like the, these, this uh, gay couple buys him in the form of just like an old shitty computer, and they plug him into the internet, and he takes over the world. So like this AI that was written in 1986 takes over the world. Is it an AI of him? No, it's okay. it's uh, it's an AI. So you use when they they named bought Colonel eighty six. So they the couple bought Colonel eighty six. Okay. Yeah, just uh, as as like a um, an Apple two E. Right. Yeah, yeah, Steve Wozniak. Yeah. So they buy it. They hook it up to the internet, and he's the, like the the AI starts realizing like, oh well, this will never do, and like he he just gets rid of all this modern stuff that wouldn't make sense to somebody in nineteen eighty six. And he's got this ridiculous tagline. Every time he, every time he like shows up, he's like, "Hello, yo!" And uh, <laughs> that's such a Mark Russell fucking thing. So dumb. It happens like ten times in this issue. And he, um, like, he finds out that the couple that bought him are gay, and he annuls. He uses his newfound access to the internet to annul all gay marriages. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And and meanwhile, Just like short-sighted villainy of the 1980s. Yeah, yeah, yeah like 1986 clashing with 2020, and being like, "Oh, this <laughs> this will never do." Right. And um, and the uh, like Lex Luthor just gets back to Earth from being stuck in space because of a previous issue, and he's like, Lex runs. Uh, like basically Fox News, where everybody's bald, right. just like Lex, Lex, and they have all these. They have like the 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 what is it? The pundit bot, mm-hmm. and then they have a woman whose name is. It it just like it just boils down Fox News opinion shows and gives everybody really ridiculously on the nose names. Does anybody have to scoot? Nobody's got a scoot like God does in in Second Coming, but like Lex Lex says, okay, yeah, uh, let's lean into this Colonel eighty six thing. Let's say that he's right, and then instantly the TV shows get a message that say like, okay, we're into Colonel eighty six, okay. and they start like advocating Colonel eighty six and and tearing down people who disagree with him. Everyone, write Fox News and tell them we know. Oh my God, it's so good. We need to pause for a second and ask Roman a question. The Wonder Twins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're twins. Yeah. Purple outfits. Aliens. Yeah. They wear matching. Matching outfits. And. Yeah, they, they have to touch their fists together to. Is it the not that they have matching rings? No, it's not. I don't think Okay, they just fist rings. each other. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, so after they're done fisting, they usually say form of a. And shape of. And that's my question. So one of them can turn into an, an any animal, and she the can, other one she can, can just only, turn into whatever I think. And then the other one can only turn into a form of water. Is that <laughs> right? right? Yeah. That is such like he <laughs> super <laughs> got shortchanged. Like one got to turn into any animal, yeah, any and the animal. other can just take the form of a water. But it's so perfect for Mark Russell because he yeah. like he's like oh water. He could be ice. He could be this. He could be that. Yes. He could, it's like, a fart joke for Django. Yeah, it's it's like over and over. He comes up with a new a new stupid way for Zan to use his powers. But for this this page of like he's flooded this room now, so these guys have to sit on this table because there's a bunch of electrical appliances floating around, so the water's <laughs> electrified, and it's just his fucking like 
gawking Zane head <laughs> is like face. such a great Mark Russell moment. Yeah. I wish I was caught up on this, buddy. I'm it's, not. You don't have to be. Like, each issue explains itself. Mark Russell just has this, He's he's got his way into my heart. I would give this issue a nine and a half. Uh, I would give this series so far, which got extended from six to 12 or six to ongoing. I mean, I'd, I'd give the series a nine. I'd, I haven't read a bad issue of it. Maybe a 10. I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to fight Roman's gooey duck. No, no. You, 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 you do your own gooey duck. Ten. I yeah. love it. Gooey. Gooey. He's going to have gooey. to really fuck up number 12 for me to not <laughs> keep it a 10. Um, we have a couple emails to, to, to respond to, but one thing I've been meaning to do for the last couple of weeks, and then it was like Christmas, and it's been crazy in January, but um, one of our customers, a gentleman I know, and some other folks that he is linked up with here in town, Bellingham, but also across the country, have been doing a podcast for a long time that is awesome. And he's he's a part of two, but I just want to mention one that I think has some overlap with our comic community. It's called Ultra 64 Podcast. And he and is a, that like Colonel 86? He and a group of people have been going through all Nintendo 64 <clears throat> games. Such a good and idea. And recording a podcast about them. And they have done an insane... Like, when he told me that idea, I was like, all right, well, what are the good ones that you've done? And he was just like, well, there's only, like, a sort of small handful of them left. And I was like, that is insane. Like they, And then I looked into it, and they have done this huge number of them. So if you're a gaming fan, yeah, everyone, like, we're not getting paid or anything for this. I just, uh, the guy that I know, his name is Steve Guntley. He is awesome. He's hilarious. And he has a super dry sense of humor, and it is very present on this podcast. And I've not listened to all of it, but I've really enjoyed it. I've listened to. And I think he invited you and me to go to go onto one of his podcasts through Facebook, and it went into a weird filtered area. Jeez, yeah. that would be that would be crazy. But uh, you and I would have to play some uh, some N sixty four. But um, <laughs> anyway, everyone should check out Ultra sixty four podcast because I think that that conceit is awesome, and I want to know what they do when they run they run out of Mar- like uh, Nintendo sixty four games. But everyone should check out Ultra sixty four podcast. That's just a love letter from me to him. Anyway, this is an email that Dino, who is an avid listener of the show, Chapino, fr- friend of the show, lover of comics. You know, a member of our comic shop family. He drives up like a half hour every week to be here. He told his job that he has an appointment and hinted that it was a medical appointment so he can <laughs> be in the store on Wednesdays. And this is a, an answer, a question I have not answered because I think that it is so awesome. I have never come up with an answer. And I'm going to pose it to the two of you, and then that will force <laughs> me to create an answer right now. Um, is it a race? As a okay, so he he wrote this as possible like the Jeff's mail sack side podcast that I had done for for Will, um, but he did refer to himself as a fignatic, uh, and I just that's great. I did wow. <laughs> as a longtime fignatic, I decided it was time to send a letter to Jeff's mail sack. Oh, a Jeff head. <laughs> um, my question is, if you could pick a fictional place to travel to, whether in the Marvel universe, DC universe, Riverdale, or even a really cool place from one of your D and D campaigns, where would you go, and what characters would you want to meet? Holy shit! I know. Wow. That's... Give us five seconds. Are we supposed to narrow it down to just one? Yep. One location. Jeez. All right, Django. One came to your mind. The first thing that came to my mind as you were asking it, and before I had thought through other places I might be able to go. Uh, I wanted to go to Shambhala, which is mm. where the shadow went in 1948 and stayed young until 1989. And 
the staying young part that's that's pretty cool but the reason i would want to go is because they were so far technologically advanced and in the himalayas like hiding in the mountains and the air was so pure that everybody stayed young forever but just the idea of a super advanced civilization on earth really yeah. appealed to me when i found out about it Google satellites didn't exist. <laughs> now I don't believe in it. But at the time, like when I read it in 1989, that could have totally been a place that we hadn't mapped. At this point, we've mapped every inch yeah. of every fucking thing, and it's it sucks. Yeah, I agree. Um, they should have left some of the world not Google mapped. Yeah, just like... Just for the sake of mystery. How about the fucking Bermuda Triangle? Have some respect, well, That's Google. where Superman's fucking island is. Um, well, that's what we've got space for, Django. No, There's I can't be go parts to space. Of the world there still aren't mapped. Like, no, you not by idiot. fucking no. Google, Roman. So many fucking yeah, satellites. Gotta, gotta be caves, like, maybe some caves, yeah, some caves in cave. Borneo yeah. somewhere deep in the jungle. All right, All right, Roman. I know you need another second to think about it. So I'm gonna. I'm I got gonna, one. Oh, <laughs> wait, <laughs> what's wait, yours? Oh, wait. Can we try to guess what his is? Um, I think it's Plastic Man's house. Um, <laughs> Chamber of No, fours. it's Marvel over DC. Yeah, you're both wrong. Oh, what is it? New Genesis. Oh, New Gods. That's yeah, a good answer. Kirk, Kirby's New Genesis. That's a good answer. Yeah, I want to go hang out in Supertown. Yeah. But I feel like everybody who's ever been to New Genesis also has to go to Apocalypse. Do you want to go to Apocalypse? No. No, I'm not going to go to Apocalypse. All right. All right. <laughs> that's, just, that's a good answer. New stick around is in Supertown. I want to I hang out with Forager because he Bug? seems like the most Bug. fun. Yeah, he seems like the most fun one. Um, can anyone guess mine? Um, it's only semi-fictional. Is it the uh, the place that all of the Reed Richards live? That because was you might possibly be able to meet one Jonathan of them. Hickman. That dude, like literally, yeah, the, yeah, the council. I was thinking, does it have to be comic? Should it be the, like at this table? That was my thought. Like, oh, your ago. question was, does it have to be a comic? Well, right, and and, and so I I didn't. Oh, um, I assumed. I had to can be we time travel? He says fictional. He says Riverdale, DC, Marvel. Oh. Riverdale D &D would be so campaign. fucking cool. Like old okay, school. Okay, all right, Archie but Riverdale? listen, you already did your answer. Oh. Roma did his answer, so I'm going to give each of you a guess. <laughs> at yours? Seriously? Yeah. At your yours isn't necessarily no. You're not going to get it. Um, yeah, we are. Yeah, no, we are. you're not. One of us yeah, we are. No, you're not. It's going to be my high school. In 1993, because you're just the coolest guy. So you could guy. see the secret origin of me. <laughs> that's not. That's closer gonna, than a comic gonna, book. It's gonna be the town Sabrina lives in. Pervert. I <laughs> both of you. The one that if I had to choose, like right now, what comes to mind, what I would say is that I wish that I could visit and live in that same rent-controlled apartment that the Friends cast lives in in New York oh. above a coffee shop where you can actually afford to live and, and you... not have a great job and your favorite people live around you and you get to hang out in your social scene just below you. Like, that's... Once a Jeff, week you dance in a fountain. That's my dream. We are a comic shop away from this. That's true. I mean, a coffee shop away from this. Well, no, but it re replaced coffee shop with comic shop. And then add a floor of housing above the Pap State. We're studio. living in Friends. Yeah. Uh, Say a different. You, huh? No. <laughs> would you want to have one of the friends as your girlfriend or boyfriend? Mm, Joey. If I had to date one of the friends. Gosh, they're all kind of awful when you look at them now. <laughs> that was my favorite show of all time for a while. Have you watched it lately? Nope. It did not hold up i believe you chandler's a, a chandler's like a mustache twirling bad guy yeah um 
Could he be any more bad? <laughs> yeah, well, you're the one with Chandler shirts. <laughs> like, you have Chandler shirts. He gave them to me. Oh, okay. That makes sense. That's why you're Before such a Before he went into rehab. Bag. <laughs> <laughs> this one is not a question, but we need to throw it oh. out there. Now, listen. There's I'm more. not going to say anything nice about Wynn because... <laughs> I said something nice about Wynn once before, and they weren't happy about it. So instead, I'm going to talk with this tone, Wynn, and try and uh, honor your disinterest in hearing nice things about you, even though I think you're an incredibly sweet and kind person. This says, hey, you nerds, I need to hear what you all think of that last page of Thor number one. Herald of Galactus? What? I really enjoyed the issue and felt the art was good, and Kate showing off his Ghost Rider was fun. But then, then that happened. And Thor is Harold, big wow, and I just would love to hear what you guys think. Always a win. All right. Now listen. Who's the Galactus, Harold? Buddy, you're not the person. <laughs> you're not the person that Win wants to hear from. Now maybe she, like maybe it's like a. Uh, what are the what is the okay? So anyway, Jango could say thing. things, or <laughs> someone who has down to that. Um, when I'm with you, I. I like Thor as a character, but that's a character whose stories can be really hit or miss with me, and I love, love, loved the the Jason Aaron Thor run, and I loved everything that happened with Jane Foster, and, and I was surprised, I was first surprised in that run that I cared about Thor, and, and, and Jason Aaron made me feel that, and then I was surprised that he made Thor a new person and wrote a story that I liked even more than the story I had just read. So... There was a part of me that was like kind of willing to just maybe say, I don't, maybe I loved Jason Aaron's Thor and he's, you know, just an interesting character outside of that. But then I read that Donny Cates issue and as the issue unfolded, I became more and more interested in it. And yeah, the Galactus, the Galactus falling on Asgard, endowing Thor with the power <clears throat> cosmic to like usher in a new sort of cosmic age of Thor was like, Everything I wanted and didn't know I want in a Thor story. It was a total, you know, 90 degree turn from what Jason Aaron had done. It justified that new costume I didn't know how I felt about. And it, yeah, it, and also, and just it gave like Thor feelings too. It gave him feelings like anxiety and, and the issue stunned me. I'm, I'm really glad that when Doug that issue, because Donny Cates at this point can be a little hit or miss, and that one was like a home run for me. What was his miss? Um, not necessarily blatant misses, but I think that Venom has really lost steam. Mm -hmm. The Guardians of the Galaxy thing mm -hmm. lost steam. Absolute Carnage didn't end in a fantastic way. Uh, not like necessarily hit and miss, but he can hit it home run, and then he can have things that just sort of meh. Peter Death of the out. Inhumans was meh. His yeah. Doctor Strange thing was meh. For me, other people didn't really dig it. But Roman, share this enthusiasm with Wynn and I about Thor and Galactus. I mean, like, really, you put Galactus in something, and I'm going to kind of freak out. Especially I, I if agree. it's Asgard. Yeah, yeah no. especially, especially when it's something different. It's not just Galactus showing up, going, oh, I'm going to eat Asgard. It's him, <clears> like, <throat> falling out of space, landing in Asgard, totally wiped out and helpless. And that's where your story starts. Just like the god of Asgard is now your new herald is such a crazy story beat to yeah, send out there. Yeah, I mean, there. this is the kind of, I mean, this is like Kirby type crazy it level is. story. That's a really good point. Story type. Because all the heralds of Galactus, I mean, I love the heralds of Galactus because they're all so cosmic and 
goofy. I mean, you know, silver guy riding through space on a surfboard yeah. and all these like Firewalker, Airwalker, um, oh. and now Thor as as because and the same thing as you as, as yeah, same thing as you. I didn't like the co- parts, like the big dumb spikes. But then, oh, he's a herald of Galactus. Well, okay, well in that case, now, it makes sense. now you get to have a headband. Yeah, Kirby established you can look any crazy thing as a herald yeah. of Galactus, and it works. Can yeah. you guys tell me why Galactus needs a herald? Um, is it to prepare well, the, the lands that he uh, goes to? Kirby doth proclaim, and yes. Kirby's word is law. Yeah, yes. but somebody at some point between Kirby and now had to have said, he's "Okay, this doesn't make any fucking slow. sense." Uh huh. So he, he better tell somebody... them that he's on his way. No, he no no. no, no cause, he... Well, because his hunger becomes so overwhelming that he needs heralds out there to like find him planets. To yeah, expedite expedi- the, the whole problem. Maybe so the herald is the wrong is word. Harold is somebody who goes out and finds yeah. planets for him to eat. It's not somebody who goes out and says, hey, just so you know, Galactus is going to okay, be Okay, so the people whose planets have been eaten call him the Herald because well, he for, because for he showed Galactus. up before Galactus, but but yeah. for Galactus, he's like the point man. Yeah, he, he's the guy who finds yeah. the, okay. wor- the yeah. world. I think that's eat. what Stanley meant was point man, basically. Yeah. Okay. But as we all know, Stan... And it sounded cool, so... Was, <laughs> right. You know, but anyway, when a little thank you so much for writing in, and again, I'll stifle my my desire to say something nice about you and just sort of end here. Harold, no, the Bellingham Herald. I'm, I'm the Herald of Jeffrey. I'm you the are. Herald of Jeff's fans. Behold my Django. <laughs> um, but anyway, this is a, a the question for the actual podcast from Dino, and he says in Django's favorite word, "Hi." Papcasters. <laughs> How's everyone doing? Shout out to Sarah, who was excellent on her first show. I have an extreme... Oh, fuck you, Dino. I have an <laughs> extremely exciting question for everyone oh, on this exceptional podcast. Oh, fuck you, Dino. Okay, right now we have no answer for this X-Men question. So, any answer is better than the nothing we have currently. So, no worries, Django. Unless you answer Steve Lieber. The question... Why, in your opinion, can Kitty, a.k.a. Cap'n Kate, not go through the gates of Krakoa? Thanks for all the laughs. Chipino, Dino Chipino. We love I, you, Dino. I got this. Yeah? What I, is Django's I know, answer? I, I, I know what it is. Is it Steve Lieber's package? No. No, it's, it's a parcel. Steve Lieber's package. It's that Kate Pride mm-hmm. is a mutant, but she has a secret that she's keeping with her at all times in her pocket. It's Steve Lieber's package. <laughs> I knew it was and his package. His package is not a mutant. It's not allowed through the door. No, it's an illustrated drawing of a present of... What was it we decided? His package. Was, but we talked about I want your penis in a box. Buddy, you're getting close. <laughs> now, what was it we said earlier? It was going to be a, a package of what? We're gonna... His DNA B. Okay, no. Well, I'll know it when I edit the podcast, and I'll feel stupid <laughs> listening to this moment. Um, no, put it all on me. I'm Roman, the stupid do you one. Have, do you have an explanation? Like, there isn't an answer. Any I, theories? I, I probably did, but <clears throat> now all I can think about is that. It's Steve Lieber's package. <laughs> yeah. Dude, oh. <laughs> in a box. We are in such a corner with this Steve Lieber thing. Like, do we tell him? Do I don't we even know how this started. I have you no don't idea. listen to our podcast. Oh, I I think, yeah, that's true. I don't know. I, I think I'm on it. I don't have to. I think it's a story beaten. I, I think it doesn't matter why i think it, like in the long run it's going to be something interesting because i trust the creative team and i think that they have good ideas for it but i think that it's a mechanic in order to spur the larger story and that gives you a peek behind the curtain of how cynical i've become but i i, I think that like 
if she could get through, it would be a much less interesting story. And because she can't get through, we've got a mystery. So the mystery is hopefully something that they're going to solve. And I would like it to be that she's pregnant and she has a non-mutant baby in her. Right. Um, or that she is what not if she's, actually a mutant. I was going to say, what if she's not actually a mutant? What if her powers came from something else? Or that for some reason Krakoa doesn't like her, doesn't trust her. Well, so to, I don't view it as necessarily – so I've been thinking about it a lot myself, like even before getting this question. I, within the last two issues of Marauders, I had some thought that made me think of, oh, maybe it's this, and I don't remember what it is. But um, I do think that – and I don't view it as cynical, but I believe that like – Ultimately, Krakoa has a goal for Kitty or Kate, and it is more important for Kate to be out there getting people who need a home than it is for her to have a home. And I think that's kind of a story beat that is a, a metaphor that you can deal with in a, a lot in your life, whether you're you know like not related to this or related to this at all. But I think that it, it's ultimately the story saying that what you think that you want and what you think that you need is not often what you actually need. Um, it's like a Kid Cudi lyric. I don't want what I need. What I need hates me. Um, there's, I, I think that, you know, I think that the Kate Pride situation is more about abandoning your idea of what your purpose is and engaging in the purpose that life is giving you. So maybe that's me just filtering the Kate Pride thing through my own paradigm and viewing Krakoa as the quote unquote universe which is this just this larger idea that knows more than I do. And uh, it's sort of emphasizing that you should be flexible with uh, the way that the world is. And I think that there will be a reason, but I also think that the reason of just sort of like Krakoa felt it was more important for her to be out there bringing other people who needed a home home, like that's enough of a reason for me. Hmm. Do you think that Krakoa could potentially have ulterior motives Across the board? Yeah, I think that that's a big part of the story. Okay. Like, like Krakoa is the bad guy? Or Charles Xavier is the bad guy, or well, Cypher and Krakoa are the bad guy. Yeah, but I I, I absolutely <clears throat> think that's a big part of it. Yeah, I, like, I like that idea. I've said before, I think Krakoa is going to be the bad guy and is just using Charles. Can we get Jeff Johns to write a letter in? Jeff, if you're listening, give us a letter. Write in. Ask us a question. Don't ask us what your favorite what what our favorite book of yours is because that's a little self serving. But uh, maybe Johns. ask us what uh, what what's our favorite Grant Morrison book. So if Jeff Johns is going to do that for us, what email address would he send the message to, and what phone line would he call to leave a voicemail? He would send it to info at thecomicsplace.com. Thecomicsplace.com. Info at info at. I don't think that he really would want to talk. On a voicemail, it would be awesome if he did, but if he right. did, he could call 1-619-663-7336. And I chose that number. We had a list of numbers I could choose from, and I chose it because it had the most sixes. I didn't realize that you chose that. Yeah, we had like a list of five that I could choose from, and I wanted the one with the most six six sixes. I know. And the six one sixes. He does like that. And the one 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 six. He loves those too. And the six one nine six six three seven three. Oh six. fuck! I hate this moment I'm having with him. Um, uh, we're gonna go because I'm gonna throw up on Roman's pouch if we keep staying here. So <laughs> I don't know where my pouch is. <laughs> oh. <coughs> I'm Jeff, Let me open and it I first. still haven't seen Temple of Doom, and there's nothing you can do about it. Oh, we're gonna make you watch it. Yeah, just like we're gonna watch. All of the things. Big Trouble in Little China. And, and fucking and, and, Power of the Dark Crystal or whatever the fuck. Yeah. And, uh, 
Jingle, who are you? Steve Weaver's package. <laughs> I'm still Steve Weaver's I'm package. Steve Weaver's package, and you can't even stop me from being that. Jango. If I'm going to be anything, you? I'm going to be Steve Weaver's junk Roman. Fest. I'm, I'm, I'm who are you? Steven Sodheim's package. Oh. Who is that? The playwright? What, is, what was he? Don't I would have look taken at me like that, you perverted Steven bird. <laughs> Steven Spielberg. Um, oh. We need a new word for customers. Family is what we've been saying. Okay. See you next time, fam. Bye. Bye.